Uh, hey everyone, uh, it's Nicole and I'm doing another podcast uh, on the fifth step. Uh, as I said, I think I said that it's going to be a three-part series. If I haven't said it, I just said it. Um, and so Tom has already shared his experience, strength, and hope around doing the fifth step. And now I am going to interview my other sponsee, Megan. Hello. Hello. And, um, and so again, and the intention behind these podcasts is to help people, first of all, you know, understand the fifth step. And then also in terms of me posting my homework assignments to, um, you know, to just get a little bit of guidance around going through the steps. So first, Megan, uh, what, what was it like when you came into the rooms and you first even read or heard about a fourth and fifth step, but specifically the fifth step part, like giving it away to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back. So for listeners to qualify, um, I've been in OA now for about, I guess, seven, seven and a half to eight years. Um, so trying to, I mean, to be honest, when I first came into the rooms, people would talk about the steps and they just, before I had experienced them myself, they seemed very muddled to me as, but like one, two, three sort of is sort of grouped in my head. And then like four, five, and then six, seven, eight, nine is kind of all muddled. And it wasn't until I actually had the experience going through the steps that I had, um, I think a better understanding of what they were and what was my other perception of the fifth step is that I, I, I guess I had the perception of the fifth step that it was talking about your resentments out loud and actually it would actually probably be helpful for me to find previous fifth steps and, and what did I do um, with those that was different. I mean, what I remember about my previous fifth steps um, was that one, it was much harder for me to unearth. You're oh. oh, okay. Uh, let me know if that yeah. if that's better. Um, it was much or much harder for me to unearth my resentments just because of the way that my sponsors had me do it in the past. You know, if uh, my sponsors in the past told me you know, just write down everyone you resent. And that to me felt like a very overwhelming task. And also I think a lot of my resentment and my judgment was not in my conscious mind. Um, and my fifth steps, my fourth, fourth steps were much shorter um, and uh, not as deep, I, I would say, not, not as deep. So that was my experience sort of with them before. And I, I don't want to say I was going through the motions because it definitely brought some stuff up to the surface, but I didn't have the same kind of I, uh, like transformational experience that I had this time. Yeah. Uh, you're still jangling, but also oh, okay. that's what Tom and, um, and I kind of talked about was, uh, you know, again, for the listeners that I also you know, did a few four steps before I really did a sort of dig deep four step. And that was absolutely okay. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Like you, 
you you do you you just do the steps wherever you're at i mean and trust that if they're if you need to do them again you will and that you know you have more a little bit more recovery and so maybe you also have more of a support system that then you can take the risk of going a little deeper so. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I pulled up one of my old uh, fourth steps and there are 43 items on my fourth step <laughs> and to give a sense of comparison. So this is one that I did, I mean, probably five years ago. Right. And then the one that I did more recently was about 500 rows <laughs> like, or maybe even a thousand rows. Like that, that's the sense of the scale of, yeah. yeah. And I think like you've said this, that like our own our, our own narcissism and wounding too protects us from our own yeah. judgment and resentments and all of that and anger. Um, and it wasn't until I got more recovery that I was yeah. able to see those things. So, yeah. And I think again, that's what I want to stress is like, yeah, just let yourself be where you're at. You don't expect a first grader, you know what I mean? To do, you know, a five page essay on something, you know, you just let them be where they're at. And, and then you just trust that you'll go through the steps again. And each time you go through it, you know, more will be revealed. So that's, so in listening, what was it like when you did do that first four step and you, you know, doing the four step, but then knowing that you had to, you know, read it to someone that first time? Yeah, I think it was maybe less, maybe less intimidating because it was stuff that was in my conscious mind and it was stuff that I had probably already talked about with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, like, you know, if, if the first fourth step I ever did, if I knew it was going to take me 18 months, would I would I have gone through that process? Probably not. I, you know, I was not ready for that when I first um, came into program. And I think I'm just looking at like, what would I do differently? And I think, you know, my first fourth step was a lot about how it sort of brought into my consciousness, how I was not setting boundaries for myself. And prior to that, uh, I didn't, really have an awareness of that. And then I, I, what I'm seeing in this also is, you know, fear rather than faith, not trusting my higher power, just being, you know, running, running my life on fear, basically. And that was brought into um, my awareness. And, you know, that, that reasoning or that, that verbiage of writing in my fourth step, I'm not sure that <laughs> that was super helpful to me of like, you just need to have more faith. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, I guess, I guess I do. And sometimes I can get to a place yeah. where I have more faith in the process and my higher yeah. power. And sometimes I don't, but um, yeah, I think that was uncovered for me as well. Yeah. So step. going through that fifth step with your first, your first experience of going through your fifth step, do you recall any sort of uh, feedback or insights from your sponsor at that time that um, you know, that you recall or just the experience of 
telling someone something, you know, things that you didn't think you were going to tell anyone or anything like that? Hmm. I'm looking at it. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like all these things. There's nothing in here that. Yeah. There's nothing in here that I didn't have awareness around before, which is maybe why it was not um, particularly transformational for me. But again, it was good that you shared it with someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that experience of just having to share this with um, uh, your sponsor, as opposed to a professional therapist or. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something really really valuable about the methodical nature of, um, of the steps. And really, I mean, this is more like step six, seven, but see, seeing your part in situations, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of my stuff and what came up in my fifth step is how, how powerless I was in this time around, um, powerless I was to, ending up in like insane dysfunctional situations and prior to recovery, just having no awareness of how I kept ending up in crazy situations in relationships, in work, in roommate situations, and just not being able to see my part in it at all. Um, And so I think there's something about this process of doing it. And I've always done it in the sort of like big book I literally use Google Sheets because it's easier to collaborate in Google Sheets, but you can also do it in the spreadsheet and just like seeing the thing recur over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden what comes into focus is your patterns and your part. Right. And that, and, and I think therapy, um, you know, you might, might touch on all of those pieces over the course of a couple of years, but it's not as methodical and it's not as structured um, and it's not focused on your part really. So, so I want to speak, I want to do a couple of footnotes. And one is that, you know, um, I think I've shared about this before that when I do, when I do take people through uh, the fourth and the fifth step, it does take a long time. Um, part of that is because I'm like, I want everything. I want everything. Um, also, uh, I only sponsor people who have already gone through the steps. And so um, it's the difference between doing a high school paper and doing your senior thesis. And then uh, part of the reason why Megan's took so long is because uh, she traveled and then I was sick. And so it did end up dragging out a little bit. So I don't want people to think that it's like, oh, 18 months is hard. I was like, well, that's how long it took us <laughs> for various reasons, right? you know? Yeah. I think it was also a lot of my perfection, perfectionism and then procrastination of like, well, if I'm going to do this. Right. I really want to do it well. And I was sort of maybe afraid of like missing stuff. And to your point, like you've said this before, but like stuff, in the process of doing the steps, stuff comes up that you yeah. didn't have awareness of before. And it's important to leave time. Yeah. Um, and that. so that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, you know, so not all of my sponsees, but a number of them are just like, 
you know, have had to learn that with me, it's really slow and steady wins the race. And, and that I'm not, um, and because I really do think of it as like, well, you're, you're doing your dissertation now. And if you're going to work with me, you know, we're going to be talking about, even if we're in OA, I don't know how to separate my ACOA and my Al-Anon and my CODA from my OA. So a lot of times working with me, um, this stuff is going to come up for you. And I know from experience, you cannot bulldoze through these kinds, this kind of information. Like I know from experience that if, if you've never really looked at the subtle nuances of your ACA stuff and you're about to go do a forcep, you also need to be able to work. You need to be able to function. And so I go for consistency, you know, in terms of smaller bites, but more consistency. So yes, the process is gonna take longer, but that's because you're going deeper and you need to digest and process all of this stuff that you're just now letting yourself be aware of mm-hmm. sometimes just now, but you know, so again, that's why, you know, as I've said in other podcasts, as long as you're spending two hours a week doing your four step, it's going to take however long it takes. Yeah. Just sort of said, and that was kind of the same thing with, you know, once upon a time when I did fist steps, you know, I went over and just spent hours going through the whole four step. And then because of my own health issues, I was like, I can't do that anymore. You know, so it's gotta be like, okay, an hour and now we'll just go through it. And so it does really drag the process out. But at the same time, I kind of feel like, well, you know, this isn't your first rodeo. Yeah. And the other thing I think was valuable about sort of doing the fifth step in chunks. So doing some anger resentment and then turning it over to you was getting your feedback in that process. Because as a, as a sick person, as a, as a ACA CODA Alan on OA, um, I could not, I did not have the skills often to see my part, to discern what was my side of the street and what was not. And so having your feedback, you know, you have 25 years or more in recovery, like helped me as I was going through it to see what was my responsibility. And a lot of times what was not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that brings up a good point is, you know, that the, what was not, yep. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, I don't know if you recall, you don't have to, but certain items where I'm just like, no, that doesn't, no, that's, you didn't create a harm there or no, you know what I mean? And also, especially around being, you know, uh, I can't recall anything, but I know generally, and I had to go through this with my sponsor, which is, okay, yeah, maybe as a teenager, I acted like an asshole, but you have to sort of parse out like, being a teenager and, you know, does this really belong on your fourth step? You know what I mean? And sort of parsing Mm -hmm. out like, no, you get, there's a certain point where you get some license around, you get to just be a rebellious, angry teenager, you know, can you now just forgive yourself for that, that you didn't, you weren't born perfect and you didn't go through life perfectly. Right. 
especially with the exactly. lack of emotional tools yes. that we had. Yes, yes. especially yeah. with absolutely no modeling. Right. So, and then, um, so in sort of going through the fifth step, was there any, let's take it sheet by sheet. So let's say yeah. with the resentments, do you, do you have any memories or anything around like sharing resentments and having any light bulb moments? Fortunately um, for our listeners, uh, we actually have, a recording where Megan finished her fist up. So it wasn't like, yeah. cause we had had several, several sessions and then it was like, Oh my God, she's done. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I had a lot of light bulb moments um, doing this fifth step. I mean, I think, let me see if I could, I, I think there, I, one of the things that you told me, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but it was very helpful was I think I was being sort of, general about my resentments of like oh I resent my father because he's an entitled narcissist or whatever and you said specifically what are the specific events that you resent your father for and so I got a lot more specific and added a lot more you know my dad had to do his laundry on Sunday and no one else could do his you know that kind of stuff and the 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 light bulbs that were most helpful for me was understanding um, what was the, the kind of crazy I was dealing with. So just getting your feedback on your father is an extreme narcissist or uh, your ex-boyfriend was a sex addict and that's why you felt like insane all the time and and getting your 25 years of experience in recovery and reading out the speci specific resentments because you know when you grow up in an insane household you just think that that's normal or you think that sick relationships are normal and realizing like how how much of that I had had carried around or been confused by my whole life and then suddenly being able to get some clarity on it of like this is the powerlessness that I was up against these are the situations that I was just you know and certainly like especially with the ex-boyfriend like I uncovered my part in that right. I now have a lot of clarity on like you know what what led to me ending up with right. a sex addict yeah. um and it's like I I knew that to just speak about that relationship as an example like I knew it was dysfunctional I knew I felt a lot of shame around it but I didn't understand why I felt so much shame about that relationship and my own behavior in that relationship and then it you know became clear yeah and then also um it's so funny because uh, for our listeners, I had 25 years when we started this and I'm go. about to turn yeah. 27. So that's perfect. Yay. I know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, when we started, it was 25. Um, but anyway, but also I think that to that point is, is that again, having done this for so long, having also sponsored so many people through it, I know that telling me your dad is a narcissistic asshole doesn't actually affect the healing it it I need to know because the healing is is again that you get to share like right. the particulars of what you had to experience and and then again it's kind of like 
um, I always use the example of, you know, shrapnel in the heart, like every, every word, every experience that you were witness to, like your, for me, it was my dad's verbal abuse to my mom. You know what I mean? It was like, just witnessing that, like the right. shrapnel, like hit, let alone his own words to me, let alone his own physical intimidation, you know, and that um, for me, the fourth and fifth step is, you know, the fourth step is you sort of trying to locate every single piece of shrapnel that you can remember. And it's actually telling me about each shrapnel is what starts the healing as opposed right. to just telling me, I have a lot of shrapnel from my dad. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, like when you're in ACA, and I know this was like very particular to my family also that like shame, denial and minimization were like the key tools with which the abuse continued. Right. And so coming the, the fourth step or the fifth step reading out loud to another person with a lot of recovery and a lot of compassion is the, the opposite healing action. Right. And there are things in my fifth step that I maybe didn't think about it before, but I had never specifically told someone, you know, like this is exactly the kind of crazy that my dad was. This is exactly the kind of crazy that that relationship was. Um, These are the things I went through. Yeah. I also want to speak to if anyone's listening in terms of the sponsoring, the other thing that's really important is, um, you know, just using our relationship as an example is, you know, that the power of being witnessed, which means as a sponsor, I need to see you. I need to really see who you are and, and to respect and honor all the scars. So the only way I'm going to get that is actually, honestly, through your four step where you really tell me you, you tell me everything, you know, because even if I'm in the rooms with you, a lot of times, you know, those are like puzzle pieces. A lot of times they're current, but, you know, to one-on-one do a fifth step with you is you are now going to paint a picture for me of what it was like for you in the last however years you, you know, like, I think, I don't remember how old you were when you started, but basically it's like, okay, here's the path that I've walked for the last 30 some odd years. And then I get to real, and then the good thing about that is, is that, you know, one of the things about being ACOA is that you're just not seen, you know, you're just absolutely not seen. And so again, the healing of that is, is like, okay, I'm going to see you. And then for you, the scary piece is to let me see you. Do you see what I'm saying? And just the power yeah. that witnessing can be so healing. Yeah, I agree. And then an, another thing just sort of popped into my head about like the difference between my old fourth, fifth steps and this one, I think I, and sort of how my perception of it changed. So my perception of, I, I, let's call it four through nine, which yeah. kind of grouped together was like, oh, I need to talk about everything that I did wrong. And what are the things in my conscious awareness that I did wrong? And how am I like, it seemed kind of punishing to me, like how right. am I a, a bad person or whatever? Right. And 
this time, what was very clear to me, and you use this term is what is the shape of my wounding? Yeah. And how do I perpetuate, continue to perpetuate harm onto myself and then other people unconsciously through that wounding? How do I repeat that wounding into the world? And that was really helpful for me because I think if I approach it at, as like, well, how have I been bad? Yeah. I don't, it, that's not necessary or had not particularly been yeah. healing for me because I still, I think another thing that in my like codependent household was like, oh, the alcoholic is the bad one and I've done nothing wrong. I have no or responsibility in this. Like I couldn't see my part in the situations either and therefore couldn't sort of heal from, um, yeah. And the other thing is, is that um, Megan and I come from a a Catholic heritage. And so whether, uh, I certainly didn't have to go to, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic, um, but it doesn't mean that I, I I was still raised by a Catholic mother. So the idea of guilt and shame and doing, what did you do wrong and look and focusing on what's wrong. And again, you know, really getting into, you know, what is the shape of your disease? How does your disease play itself out? You know, um, what is the shape of your wounding and how does that play itself out? And that's why I really like, and again, as a way to counter from who's right and who's wrong, I really like to say, how did you co-create the situation? You know, like that two people come together and, the, and their chemistry creates the experiences that they have with each other. And so instead of viewing it as like, who's right, who's wrong, um, just as a way to get out of that uh, emotionally immature, black and white, good guy, bad guy, you know, which can uh, keep us emotionally retarded in a certain sense so that we, we never look at our part Right. Because we're always for one, because we're like cast as the quote, good guy, yep. but also two, because, you know, if we come from any sort of family system where it's like, well, to be bad is, you know, like we're born bad and the guilt and the whatever. And so constantly having to defend ourselves. I don't know if I'm, if I'm making sense, but constantly yep. having to defend ourselves from that family story you know, on top of the alcoholism, which is just like, well, I'm going to punish you because you deserve it. It actually doesn't matter if you've done anything, you know, or I'm going to use guilt and shame as a way to control your behavior. Um, So again, to kind of find some heat, a completely different system, as opposed to any sort of Catholic and other, I don't know about other religions. I'm sure Baptists right. or again, where it's like the system is in order to get you to behave, I'm going to label certain behavior as bad and shame you as opposed to, and so of course, you know, we would want to be like, okay, that has been misused against me for years and I'm going to rebel against that as opposed to, well, let's go over here into this system where we look at co-creation of behaviors. How did your intentions, your fears come into this situation with, you know, crazy CEOs or whatever, whatever, and look at like how that chemistry just exploded in your face. 
So it's not a shaming. It's not a hell. It's not a guilt shame. It's like awareness, just awareness. Yeah. And I think the thing that I have realized through this process is that it was impossible for me to change my patterns of behavior until I became aware of my part in it. Like there was just no way I would continue to unconsciously repeat um, the same things over and over again until I could have some agency in my own life. Um, And take responsibility for your part. Because in the previous um, paradigm, you know, and we, and you, you're part of ACOA is, and I'll speak for myself is, you know, coming in with a very strong victim mentality, because in fact, I had been victimized, you know, and learning and sort of emotionally evolving and getting to a place of like, okay, if I continue to carry myself as a victim, I am going to continue to attract places where I get victimized. So I have to do some internal rewiring, which means I have to start to work past my victim identity and start to look at like what my part is. And um, so on that topic, is there anything in your fist step that you recall sort of, I mean, you talked about work and you talked about sex addict boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I can, I mean, it's just clear example. I think I continue to talk about the sex addict boyfriend because why not? <laughs> um, I mean, I think you have one of those, right? Right. Who doesn't have the really dysfunctional relationship? It um, is you and me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in terms of my, my part in it, I can see now how, how much, and this was a really hopeful thing that you said, like, how much I was using him as much as he was using me. So I wanted a boyfriend and I was willing to put up with a lot of really terrible behavior because I wanted a boyfriend and because it all looked, it all looked good on paper. It looked good on the outside. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the way in which I, like wanted him to fill this role as my boyfriend and he wanted me to fill a role with sex right and so we were both using each other for our ulterior motives and never quite being aware or honest of yeah. what we really wanted yeah. from each other um and now and I can see that now um I think another thing around that is like I re- because I grew up in a household with no no boundaries and a lot of you know inappropriate behavior all the time. Yeah. I c- could not see the red flags for this person or any other of the bajillion unavailable yeah. people that I dated in my time. Um, I just was not it was not possible for me to or I excused a lot of behavior or just didn't see it. And through this work. I was able to think back and think like, yeah, that was a red flag. I could have trusted myself, but because I had this ulterior motive of wanting this fancy boyfriend, I excused a lot of red flags. I excused a lot of stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's the powerlessness piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? That again, to just sort of 
circle back around a little bit is, um, you know, that there are things that we're powerless over, like powerless over being attracted to alcoholics, powerless over ignoring red flags, you know, just the way that we're powerless over food. Do you see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then yeah. again, we have to go into the process of recovery, you know, the uncover, discover, discard, the share the process of recovery and really turn it over. And I guess what I'm saying, and that's more six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, but that, you know, specifically around the sex addict boyfriend, like there you are, you're going in, you see the red flags, but that anxiously attached fear-based need, you know, don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to be socially rejected. And there's a lot of social pressure that we have to like have a partner. And I've got friends that are like, Hey, you know, who are you seeing or all of these things that again, it's like, I'm going to bypass any of that and say yes to this guy, even if I think I shouldn't that right there is the same as me reaching for this unavailable man because you know I'm fear driven even if I don't realize that I'm fear driven is the same as me reaching for the chocolate cake although that wouldn't that wouldn't be me you know the the zingers you know I go real trashy when I binge <laughs> you know I mean? like, oh me too you know I'm me like too. Where's the, where's the, I, I'm a low bottom. Yeah. Low bottom. Low bottom. Low bottom. Yeah. I want to see the yeah. hostess display yep. and I'll take one yep. of everything. So yep. again, like that same, and it, it's the same, it's the fear-based drive. And that's the beautiful thing about the fist step is that we wouldn't have had this conversation. We wouldn't have even done if you hadn't shared this stuff with me and specifically, and I do recall this, doing it and i'm a big proponent of the sheets the big book way because right. by that time megan i think that we had started to already see a pattern is that yeah all that yeah. yeah i think so yeah 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 was there anything else going through your fist step that you particularly recall oh gosh i mean the one part of my the one that, that maybe we, maybe we've talked about this before on, on tape, but I'm not yeah. totally sure. I mean, the one part that, or the one resentment that kept coming up over and over and over again was this person was supposed to be my friend. Oh yeah. And they weren't that, that was like the most common right. resentment on my fourth yeah. step. Um, and I think that was another example of, of powerlessness. And let me see if I can like f find the exact wording around this. Well, while you're looking for that, that's another yeah. reason why I love the, the worksheet way, because um, I had a sponsee who had like 83 pages of her resentments or something like that, handwritten, but still. And she was reading it to me and reading it to me and what kept coming in there was resenting certain people based on the gift that they gave her for her birthday. And she would have never have put that together. You know what I mean? Like it was only by, by the fact that it's like, oh, here's, I remember her saying like, cause she said another one about, I resent so-and-so because of, you know, my birthday present or something like that. And she said, 
wow, I'm starting to see a pattern. I'm like, yeah, me too. You know what I mean? So again, like that's why I tell people to don't worry about how big it is because we want all that data. And sometimes, you know, I, you know this because you're a data person. It's like, oh, it only can't, comes up once. But yeah, but if you dig it a little bit deeper, it comes up 10 times. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So let me read off what, what, how I co-created the situation yeah. with the, the um, people are supposed to be friends with me. Yeah. So I am seeking connection from unavailable people. I am recreating my childhood abandonment. I am heartbroken and disappointed. Uh, wow. With that one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just to see, like, I knew that I did that with the men that I dated, right? I'm seeking connection from unavailable people, but just to see like, this is re really happening in every part of my life. And it is the exact shape of my wound, right? My yeah. parents are like super unavailable. And yeah. so I just, that's the powerlessness. I just keep going to people that are, you know, in the Al-Anon term, like I'm going to the, the hardware store for bread, right? I just yeah. keep going to the wrong people for yeah. connection. And, I'm and also it sort of illuminates that wherever you go, there you are. So it doesn't, yeah. and what I mean by that is whatever arena of your life, your family, your family of origin, your friends, your work, your intimate relations, you know what I mean? Your sexual relations, whatever, wherever you go, you're the same person. So I'm always, I don't say anything, but I, you know, I'm when someone says, you know, oh, I, these relationships are great, but these relationships, and I'm like, okay, you know, let's, you might, and to me, I'm like, well, you're the same person. So you might be over-functioning over here and under-functioning here or whatever. However, I'm saying that I also know that sometimes, you know, you don't experience healing all at the same time. So you maybe in your work life, you start to practice setting boundaries and then that practice feeds into your romantic life or your friendship life or whatever like that. But again, in my experience in the rooms as you know and then also sponsoring is there's no such thing as an area of your life that's perfect and then everything else is shite i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i definitely um i'm I was thinking about this because uh i'm gonna be speaking on step one soon like the whole idea that my life I, like i did not relate to my life is unmanageable. I thought like, oh, if I could just stop compulsively overeating, then my life would be perfect, right? And what the process of doing step four or five revealed to me was like, wow, my life when I was in my disease was really unmanageable, right? Like, and, and continues to be, right? In these yeah. different areas. And then I work my program around it and then it gets slowly yeah. more manageable. <laughs> Well, and that's the reason why I was also, and this is, you know, for a lot of us, I didn't identify with that word unmanageable. And that's why I had to change it, change it too. And my life is not what I want it to be, despite my best efforts. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. You know, my relationships aren't quite what I want them to be. My friendships, you know, like, and, and then the great thing is, is getting to a place where it's like, you know, 80% of my life is exactly the way that I want it to be. 
and you know now but the thing is is that you know there's no such thing as coasting you know in recovery and so in order it's literally like um i was i used to be a bit of a gym bunny not really but you know i grew up in gyms and whatever and i just sometimes resent that those hours at the gym those years that i spent in my you know 20s and whatever that as a 50 year old woman like i don't have that muscle mass you know what I mean? Like it doesn't like, as soon as you stop working out, right. Start losing the muscle. Like you have to work out every day. And it's the same thing with recovery. It's like in order for my relationships to maintain a certain level of serenity and to experience the healing, I have to do this stuff every day. So I wanted, I'm aware of the time and I don't want to keep you, but I want to also like Let's switch to, you know, have you been on the other, have you received someone's four step? Mm, that's a good question. I feel, yes, I, I have. And now I'm trying to remember exactly what that experience. Yeah, no, wait, I've done it. I've done it twice. I've done okay. it twice. Yeah. And I think I... I have not yet with my sponsees instituted the thing of um, dump out all of your contacts from every, you know, <laughs> right. We want everything. Right. And so it's been, um, I think not, not as transformational as it could be. Right. Cause yeah. it's hard for people to go for the resentments yeah. on their own. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, is there anything else about the fifth step um, that you would want to sort of speak to, you know, or anything since I asked you to do this, anything that sort of came up for you or? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think um, trusting your sponsor to do this process and that question of like, how free do you want to be? It's like, the more vulnerable you are willing to be with, you know, your trusted person, whomever that is, the more healing you'll experience. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to, depending on how new you, new you are, you don't have to do everything right now, or maybe everything will not be revealed in right. this particular time. And that's okay. Like, um, I'm actually sort of an advocate for if you knew to just do the workbook, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think, I mean, I, and that doesn't mean if you're brand new, don't do, you know, I just think that, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's okay to be a little gentle with yourself. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, and if you find the workbook a little easier, you know, uh, because it has these questions and then you get to just sort of practice answering that. That's totally fine. Um, if you want to go straight for the big book way, that's totally fine too. You know, I have, I've never done the workbook as a sponsor or sponsor, <laughs> so, no. but I hear people do it and like it. No, I tried to do it. It's not really my thing, but I think of it as, you know, um, I do think of it as a gentler approach because mm -hmm. it's a workbook mm -hmm. and because it has questions and you just have to write on each question. And so it's so very, you know, you don't have to, you just have to answer questions, 
Mm -hmm. And so I could see how that would be easier for some people. Yeah. But I guess the point is, is just to do whatever you can do and then um, share it. And then uh, on, in terms of being on the other side of doing your fist step, how does that feel? It feels really good. And like, I have a lot of clarity on relationships that were very confusing to me before. There's still like one or two where I feel like I don't necessarily have clarity, which I will talk, talk to you about later <laughs> uh, as part of my step nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I, I feel like I, I've, I've gotten more clarity and then I can also see like, you know, talking about like, ending up in craziness at work. Like I can see where the pitfalls are yeah. in my life now. And may, yeah. I, you know, I still step in the same hole a lot yeah. of times, but I can at least, yeah. I at least have some awareness yeah. of when it's coming or like what is happening, yeah. you know, when I'm in that space. Yeah. So, so yeah. for our wonderful listeners, Megan's check-in yesterday, I think it was yesterday, yeah. was, you yeah. know, a work situation where she's like, it's happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all yeah. of those things that were on your four step, you right. know, your checking was like, Oh my gosh, it's happening right now. Yep. You know and I mean? I'm being, yeah. Uh, to talk a little bit more about specifics, cause maybe that would be helpful. It, like my, the thing that was triggering about work is that I think I might be set up to fail as appeared in my fourth and fifth step a bazillion <laughs> times. <laughs> and I can see that my part in that, in that situation is trying to be the hero, right? Yeah. Like I want to be the hero. I would like to save the day. Thank you very much. And then when yeah. I can't, I'm a big giant failure. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I may be totally set up to fail in this situation, more will be revealed, but I'm not going to try to be the hero anymore. Right. I'm going to try to, you know, be really humble about my, it's not even like my limitations. It's just that they're like, I think expecting too much. of Yeah. Them. So that they're unreasonable that. expectations. Yeah. 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 And that was also something that again, Megan and I had in common was, you know, uh, being the hero child. And yeah. one of the things that I learned, uh, in early recovery was, if I'm your hero today, I'm your villain tomorrow. Um, and so uh, that really, because the power to be the hero is still so alluring. And yeah. I just realized that it's like, you know, how I played the videotape to the end is that it constantly showed me that at some point, I'm not gonna be able to be a hero here. And then I'm gonna get blamed for that. And so that's what I mean around like, and then I'm going to be your villain. Like somehow the fact that I couldn't do the impossible, it's all going to be my fault. So I just kind of, that, that was just something I wanted to throw in there. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much always. I really enjoy um, that, you know, you're a recovery nerd like me. Speaking of recovery nerds, I'm going to do a little teaser, but um, I'm hoping to do another Megan Stacy conversation and um, uh, well, I don't want to say what the topic is because I haven't gotten Stacy to sign on the dotted line, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope I have some recovery around that. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter if you do. We're just going to talk yeah. about it. All yeah. right. Thank you, everyone. Thank Bye. you.